All right. Hello, everybody. Um, welcome. <laughs> uh, today, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start with, uh, I'm actually going to start with number 45 and out of the stillness. But in order to really understand the contemplation of number 45 and out of the stillness, I'm going to have to read both 44 and 45 out of the seven steps to awakening. So if you're, you know, if you have the books and you know, like reading along, uh, we're going to start with seven steps to awakening 44 and 45, and then we'll go to out of the stillness. George, let me know if I talk too loud. Okay. <laughs> I'm just joking. Cause he's downstairs below me. Um, all right. So uh, number 44, then this is a quote from Sri Sadhu Om, who was a devotee of Ramana Maharshi. Number 44, whatever doubt may arise, oh, sorry, whatever doubt may rise, not arise, whatever doubt may rise, it cannot rise without the rising of you, the first to have risen, who raised it. Therefore, the primal doubt, namely that of not knowing who you are, is the root of all doubts. And the reason I needed to read this quote is because the next quote refers to the primal doubt, but it doesn't tell you what the primal doubt is. Uh, this quote is the one that tells you what the primal doubt is. And the primal doubt is not knowing yourself or thinking you do not know yourself, right? So now that we've read that, we can move on to 45. Until this primal doubt is cleared, replying to your other doubts will be just like cutting the leaves off the branches of a tree because they will sprout again and again. But if the root is cut, they will not sprout again. So again, until this primal doubt, the doubt about who you are, until this primal doubt is cleared, replying to your other doubts will be just like cutting the leaves off the branches of a tree because they will sprout again and again. But if the root is cut, they will not sprout again. So this is what's written in Out of the Stillness at number 45. What do I doubt? All world-based doubts are a projection of the one fundamental doubt, the I do not know myself thought. And that's, of course, a capital S self if you aren't reading along. I do not know my true self. All world-based doubts are a projection of the one fundamental doubt, the I do not know myself thought. Let all doubt be seen as the projection of this one doubt. Realize that without this one imaginary doubt, no other doubt could arise. So it's kind of interesting because the, this starts off with a question about um, what do I doubt? And so it might be fun if we just... Um, contemplate and maybe if you think of something you can type it into the chat i have the chat open you know we can 
kind of just contemplate, you know, doesn't have to be spiritual, world-based, you know, what do I doubt? You know, for example, uh, I doubt the government has my best interests at heart, right? Um, I doubt that the truth is true, right? And anything else. So why don't you all just contemplate for a moment some things that you doubt, Um you know, maybe I doubt my spouse is telling me the truth, right? And of course, don't type in anything you don't want to share because this will be on YouTube and I'll read them out loud. But, you know, just some doubts. Think of some things that you doubt. I doubt that my doctor really knows what's wrong with me. I doubt about tomorrow and, and my health, it's, it's written. I doubt that people tell me the truth. Oh, here's one. I doubt that I can awaken in this lifetime. Another one. I doubt I can awaken. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a common doubt. Let's look at that common doubt. Uh, I doubt that I can awaken in this lifetime. Let's look at that one. Does everybody agree that's a common doubt? If you knew yourself, can you see how that doubt could not exist? Right? That's what this quote is saying. Right? This quote is saying that all doubts. Here's another one. I doubt that I will be completely free of anxiety. This is saying that all doubts are a projection of the fundamental doubt. And what it's also saying, oh, here's another one. I doubt I can break certain habits. And keep them coming if you want to. I think this is great because, you know, it's good to have in our eyes what we're talking about here, because this is saying that all doubts are a projection of the fundamental doubt. And that if we knew our true self, if we let go of that doubt, the doubt, I don't know myself, if we let go of that doubt, which is the only thing blocking our ability to know our true self, if we let go of that doubt, then all of the other doubts would naturally fall away because it's the root of the doubt tree. I doubt myself, the strength of my conviction. I doubt that I can maintain a state of awareness. And what this quote is also saying is it's a waste of time to go after one of these doubts. Like, I, I doubt that I am I. Yeah. Uh, so let's, let's again, let's, let's pick this doubt. Uh, I doubt that I will be awake in this lifetime. I doubt that I will awaken in this lifetime. Instead of focusing on trying to eradicate that doubt, I doubt that I will awaken in this lifetime and maybe somehow trying to build the confidence that I can awaken in this lifetime. It's saying that if I, even if I do eradicate that doubt, because the doubt root still exists, another doubt will just grow in its place. So the only doubt that I need to work on is the root. It's like cutting down the whole doubt tree. Right. I just need to work on the root. I just need to let go of the doubt 
that I know myself. Listen to that. What this is saying, and Ramana Maharshi used to say it too, is that you know yourself right now. How many of y'all doubt that? Yeah, and see, that's the saying, that's why these other doubts are there. Right? That's why these other doubts are there, because you doubt that you know yourself when you actually do. Can you imagine that the only thing that has to be removed is the doubt that you know yourself, and then you realize that you always have known yourself? At the last retreat that we had here, the four principles of God, I told people a story uh, that I don't think I've ever told online before. If I have, I've forgotten. It felt like the first time I'd ever told the story publicly, but it feels like it fits here. Uh, right around April 1, 2020, which is when I retired, not retired because I was still working, when I stepped back from being president minister of Awakening Together and I turned president minister over to Jacqueline, I also felt guided to take a course. It's called the Finders Course. And this was the, you know, there's a long version and a short version of their course. I took the long version, the four-month course. And uh, I was really excited because I had the time to do something like that. In fact, I remember being very excited to be a student because it felt like I had always been in the teacher role. I was always the one writing the courses, delivering the courses, and now I was going to get to take a course. So I was pretty excited about that, you know, stepping back from president minister and taking a course. But what happened in this particular course was you know, they look at what awakeness looks like. And uh, not, not what I call true awakeness, because true awakeness is what I call awakening to the first principle of God. Um, but, you know, let's say awakening to the second principle of God uh, or awakening to true perception, or if you know the course, awakening to the real world, right? So not full-fledged awakening, but that mediary awakening. <laughs> so what happened was we were looking at what the awakening experience looks like. You could call it what the symptoms are of having awakened to true perception. And as I was looking at these, it's like there was a checklist. And as I would go down the checklist with my own experience, it was kind of check, 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 check. And what was funny in my mind is that my mind kept searching for a way to hold on to that doubt. It kept searching for a way to deny uh, the awakening to true perception. And yet this particular course didn't provide a way out because it just kept saying, you know, I, I just had to keep going, check, check. Check, 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 check. It was funny because, again, the mind was struggling. This can't be true. This, you know, I must not be awake. Right? <laughs> I just kept struggling. And at some point, um, that just kind of broke. Like, it, there, was no, there was no way out. There was no excuse. So, what, what fell away there? Doubt. 
That's the only thing that was in the way. Do you see that? And do you also see how, and I promise you what I did, you all are doing. And I did it all the way up until this course broke it in me. Um, what was happening prior to the doubt falling away is I was clinging to it. I was fighting for it, you know, within my own mind. And in fact, even then, as I've been going through this course, the mind was still looking. It was like looking for evidence. Let's read that chapter again. Let's find evidence um, that this isn't true. Evidence that there hasn't been an awakening to, to the level of true perception. So that's what this is saying. This is saying that you actually do know yourself, but you're clinging to doubt. You're clinging to, there's no way I'm awake. You know, I, there's no way I know myself. There's got to be something to gain, something to realize that I haven't gained, I haven't realized. Now, I will also tell you from my own experience that this isn't an intellectual exercise. It's not, I don't think that you can just walk away from this teaching, for example, and say, okay, well, then I'm just going to quit doubting it because the doubt, I think, is subconscious, right? So you can't just say, okay, I'll quit then. <laughs> uh, what happened for me is it got broken through that course. That's what the guidance in that course was all about, right? And by taking the course and, and slammed against the evidence over and over and over again, it broke. And I don't know what will break the doubt in you, but being aware that you are actively doubting is important. Can you catch yourself actively doubting? Why don't you play that game? Can you catch yourself actively doubting. And if you do catch yourself actively doubting, can in that moment you stop it? You know, so for example, if you, let's just take, I doubt I'll awaken in this lifetime, which is clearly a projection of the fundamental doubt, right? So let's say you're, you find yourself telling somebody in a conversation, oh, I don't think I can awaken in this lifetime. And then you go, whoa, that's me actively doubting. You know, can I, can I take that back? Can I say, actually, maybe I just don't know. I don't know is more open than I don't think I can. Do you agree? Right? So can you catch yourself actively doubting and in a way that feels honest for you? To me, it always has to feel honest. You know, you, you can't lie to yourself. But in a way that feels honest to you, can you take the active doubt back? so that you are at least adding to the subconscious doubt, right? So again, out of the stillness says, what do I doubt? And we, we listed some doubts, that's good. Oh, and somebody says, what about abiding as self as a means to eradicate doubt? Yes, I think this is um, one of the reasons you practice awareness, watching awareness and things like that, so that you're constantly looking at yourself and becoming more and more aware that, that is what I am. You know, you see the mind in front of you, so you, you aren't the mind. But if you're anything like me, you can sit there in awareness, watching awareness, 
You can be very aware while in meditation of what you are, and then you still get up and walk away and say, yeah, but I don't think I can fully realize that for years. You know, <laughs> like you get up and you walk away and you grab onto the doubt again. Do you see how many of y'all have done that? So you see what I mean, right? So that would be actively catching yourself doubting. So what do I doubt? All world-based doubts are a projection of the one fundamental doubt, the I do not know myself thought. I, how many of y'all have the I do not know myself, capital S, I do not know myself thought, right? That's what this is saying. We're carrying this around in us. All world-based doubts are a projection of the one fundamental doubt, the I do not know myself thought. Let all doubt be seen as the projection of this one doubt. Realize that without this one imaginary doubt, no other doubt could arise. And again, Sadhu Om said, until this primal doubt is cleared, replying to your other doubts will be just like cutting the leaves off the branches of a tree because they will sprout again and again. But if the root is cut, they will not sprout again, which means, you know, take your hatchet and start hatching at the root, right? By the way, Shauna, the river looks gorgeous. Thank you very much. Shauna did some work out there. This is so beautiful. Mom and I just walked out, not even thinking about it, walked out on the porch, saw the river and went, oh! you know, like, it's just so beautiful. So thank you. She was out there taking care of some, some, some uh, weeds this, this morning. It's beautiful. But, you know, take that weed eater, <laughs> take that weed eater against the primal doubt is what this is saying, right? Catch yourself reconfirming that doubt. That's when you take the weed eater, or you take the ax to it and take it back. You know, you can at least step into, actually, I don't know that, right? That's honest, isn't it? Actually, I don't know that I won't awaken in this lifetime. Yeah. So, um, so that's what quote 45 is all about. I think it's pretty, it's pretty important, uh, which of course is why I circled it. Uh, before I move on to the next thing that is circled and out of the stillness, does anybody have anything they would like to say about this primal doubt and um, taking a weed eater to it? Uh, let's see. It looks like that's, I think I saw Melissa first, and then we'll go to George. So, Melissa, go ahead. Okay. Hi, and thank you. Hi. And thank you, everybody. Um, okay. So, what if, what if I don't think I have that doubt, but it doesn't mean I can live that way? <laughs> and that's again. So stupid what if i don't think i i don't necessarily have that doubt like i have faith that there is a self in there oh but do you here's the doubt do you think you know it now okay i i, I think i get it thanks regina yeah 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 that's, mm. that's it's really talking about now like are you thinking someday i'll realize it you know what this is saying is you actually know it now and the only thing blocking you from realizing you know it now is this statement i don't know it well it, it my i think my ego is playing a different trick but i think it's the same crap it's just confusing me and i think it's like i know that there is a self and everything's perfect but it doesn't take away the fear that arises 
if that makes sense to you. Like, I do believe in all of this without a doubt, <laughs> interestingly. Yeah. But it doesn't mean I, 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 in the moment that I can feel comfortable in, no matter what hap- comes my way. Well, let me so, ask you this question. Do you feel any anxiety right now? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, good. Not, I mean, not good, but good. Then we can play with it. <laughs> we can play with it. It's not imaginary. So right now, why don't you just, um, you know, I don't want you to reveal any details, any personal details you don't want to reveal, especially on YouTube. I mean, we're going to be on YouTube. Thanks um, for reminding but, me. Yeah, of course. Uh, but can you just tell me, like, the feeling of the anxiety? Like, how does that feel to you? Um, just an unworthiness. I, I don't know if that's a feeling, just an unworthiness, like, you're not needed here. This is what are you doing in this world? Kind of like, does that make okay. sense? Or yeah, oh yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I've known that before. Okay, so tell you what, what I'd like you to do is just pause for a moment. I would like you to just look at that feeling. Just look at that feeling, you know, like, you know, like what are you doing here? You you know, you don't you don't belong here, you're not good enough to be here, whatever that feels like, just look at that and don't do anything else for a moment. Okay. Just allow yourself to be with it. The first now, thing I'm, I'm bringing it up in my memory. That's okay. I'm bringing it up in my memory because I don't actually have it anymore. Um, but, you know, when I bring it up in my memory, it's almost like I start to feel it here. I can almost draw a circle around it. And then I feel it down to about this level. And then I would go back up to my head again. Like, I don't actually feel that in my toes. You know, it's like, it's not in my ankle. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> So can you draw a circle around it for me or a square or a triangle? Okay. So you feel it. This is where it quote lives. Okay. What in you is able to see the edges of that? Don't think, look, when you are able to draw a circle around this sense of unworthiness, I mean, the thing, whatever it is in you that's able to see that, you can feel the unworthiness on the inside. You can find the edges. And you can also tell that the unworthiness isn't on the outside of that, right? Yeah. So you're bigger than the unworthiness. What is that? What is that you? Something else. See, that's what you want to focus on. That's the self. And if you just, if you go ahead when you feel unworthy or you feel anxious or whatever comes up, fear, pause, look for it. Like you said, you could start by checking. Is it in, is it in my ankle? No, it's not in my ankle. Then where is it? Right. And find it. Okay. Here's where it is. You know, wherever it is, here's where it is. Notice you can feel that on the inside, whether it's fear, guilt, unworthiness, whatever. You can feel that on the inside. You can identify the edges of it, and you can also feel the outside where it isn't. So what are you? That is so awesomely helpful. Oh, my God. First time I ever understood the edges and I am bigger or something is bigger. Very first time. I thank you. Good, good, good. Thank you. I'm glad. So but keep doing it. Don't stop. All right. Keep playing. You, you, you know, at least in my case, I had to play these games multiple times, not once or twice. Right. So just keep, and then something 
kicks. Okay. I'm just going to say thanks for the playbook. Sorry. Okay. Bye. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. George, do you still have something to say? Uh, yes. Um, you know, there's a big difference between believing something and knowing something. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> that I will awaken in this lifetime, uh, but I believe I will. And to add to that, I think whatever happens is exactly what's supposed to happen. You know, George is never going to awaken. The George character is never going to awaken. Uh, and so whether George awakens or not doesn't seem to be that important to me. Because I, I do have that sense that, you know, even though I identify with George, I can also have the sense that there's more to George, there's more to this awareness than just George. Than just George, yeah. And and that's my experience as well, that the person becomes more and more and more of a, of a, of a character. You know, more and more and more of a character. Not that the person disappears. It's just less and less and less what I am. It's something here kind of in front of me that I can see. So somebody asked, was that self-inquiry that I practiced with Melissa? Yes, that was a a type of self-inquiry that I practiced with Melissa. And somebody asked, uh, do we get to the root by questioning the little doubts? What Sadhu Om is saying is no. Sadhu Om is saying, even if you get to clarity about one doubt, that's like a leaf on a tree. And you might be tearing that leaf off the tree, but another one's just going to grow back in its place. So keep going after the doubt. Um, I do not know myself. That's the, that's the quote we're looking at. And Lena. Uh, hello, Regina. Hello, everyone. I just wanted to clarify. You mean um, knowing yourself? We are. We need to learn ourselves. I cannot say that uh, I know myself. I'm on the way uh, to know myself, and it's uh, going uh, like uh, you suggested from Leo, superconductor. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, first of all, let me address the first thing you said. You said, I, I cannot say I know myself. I am on the way to knowing myself. Well, the, the, the strict interpretation of this teaching would be, wait a minute. I just put knowing myself in the future. Mm-hmm. That's a projection of the primal doubt. Although I don't feel like I have the experience of knowing myself, I'm going to take that back. Maybe I do know myself now and I just haven't realized it yet. You know, anything you can do that feels honest to take it back is probably taking a bite out of the subconscious doubt. Yes. Right. Rather than because what we do is we unknowingly continue to reinforce it. Mm-hmm. Now, I am not one of the fake it until you make it kind of people. Uh, I, I think that, you know, again, when it when it snaps, when that subconscious doubt keep, gets taken care of and it just snaps, that's going to happen. And there's no sense in pretending otherwise. But we don't have to continue reinforcing the faults. Do you see mm-hmm. the difference? Yeah, absolutely. 
you know, so, so instead we want to kind of allow it to shrink rather than fattening it up again. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. And then what did you say about Leo's superconductor process? Uh, this is uh, exactly how to work uh, on uh, everything on the root. Yes, that is one way to absolutely work. I mean, it's one of the processes. It's like, for those of you who don't know, Leo Gura uh, and his superconductor process, which is in his video, um, how, I think it's called How to Deal with Strong Emotions. Oh, and his website is actualized.org. So if you go to YouTube and search for actualized.org, how to deal with strong emotions, even if that's not the exact name, I think it's close enough, it will bring it up. And he teaches something called the superconductor process, which is really the same as my rest, rest, accept and trust process, right? But as you know, when you're feeling really strong emotions, that is often not the time to question them. You know, if I'm, if I'm just overcome with fear, uh, sometimes the ego is going so wild, there's no way I can sit down and rationally question my fear. So the teaching is to practice rest, accept, and trust. Rest the mind, accept the emotions, trust this is healing, or go watch Leo's video on the superconductor process. I recommend it. And, and that allows the emotion to come up without you reinforcing it with additional believing. So, yes, that is a pardon. It's fantastic. I absolutely love it. I will share very quickly. Yesterday, I had a strong situation. We accepted my daughter and I some result from very serious thing, and it didn't come. I But I felt good. So I felt frustrated and, of course, doubt for the future. So I did superconductor before night for like half an hour, and the unbelievably unknown first time in my life peace come to me okay like, oh really <laughs> I, I even kind of didn't believe so i went to bed there and sleep like a baby however at 2 a.m i woke up with the, the same thoughts and unfortunately i couldn't sleep and i noticed that during the night i cannot manage i'm easily using superconductor for anything because i don't have strong fear i don't have strong frustration i'm fairly happy girl and for me it's uh, fun to use superconductor but during the night it's uh, i cannot manage well, well, you know, uh, yes i understand what you're saying um, um there are two things that i found helpful to me during the night to continue to practice in my case rest accept and trust uh one possibility was to sit up rather than lay down the other possibility was to lay down, but move into the fetal position. When I moved into the fetal position or when I sat up, I could practice it. There was something about laying down just, you know, in the regular sleep position where it just sounded like, the again, the, like you say, the mind just kept going, going, going and the emotion. But when I would go into the fetal position, somehow I was able to embrace a restfulness that I wasn't able straight out or when I would set up, maybe because sitting up is more like meditative. Yeah. Um, so just try, try experimenting with that. Try changing your position in some way in the middle of the night and see if you can find a bodily position that will allow you to practice the superconductor better. 
Yes, yes, uh, thank you. Very helpful. You're welcome. Now, um, I thought I had saw another hand. It went down. Does that mean we're good? Yeah, we're good. Okay, so let's move on. Let me see what I have circled next. Uh, number 52. So number 52, this is from Sri Muruganar, who again was a devotee of Ramana Maharshi. I'm reading from the Seven Steps to Awakening uh, by Michael Langford. You know, he collected the quotes. So here's what Muruganar said. The true self shines through its very nature as a beautiful radiance within the heart as all thought subsides. Realizing that the power of thought could never truly grasp it, you should abandon all such conceptualization. I'll read Muruganar again, quote 52. The true self shines through its very nature as a beautiful radiance within the heart as all thought subsides. Realizing that the power of thought could never truly grasp it. You should abandon all such conceptualization. So now I'll read number 52 from Out of the Stillness. I know the difference between what I am and what I am not. When all thinking is released and the heart shines as the true self, I am fully known and recognized without a shadow of doubt. When thinking acts as me, even if it is believed, it contains an element of doubt or uncertainty. Do not act based on thoughts or emotions of an imposter self. Wait patiently for the inner confirmation of I. True I, heart I, and be that. So uh, my experience around the time when, when this was written, which probably was, you know, around January of 2012, um, my experience at that time, and, and, and for those of you who don't know, Starting in January of 2012, I took what I called a year of increased silence, uh, which means that while my daughter was at school all day, I practically did nothing but sit in contemplation. Um, I think I probably had to walk the dog, maybe. So that's why I say practically. But you know, before that, I had been doing all kinds of stuff. That year, I let go, let go, let go. And my job was contemplating the seven steps to awakening. And so what would happen when I would sit in contemplation for, you know, five hours straight is there was this knowing of myself that would just arise through that practice. It was undeniable. In fact, there's a, a line in NTI which says something about um, being like a man who looks in the mirror and knows himself and then walks away and forgets what he saw. And that was kind of my experience. Like I would sit there in this, 
you know, hours and hours of contemplation and, and the clarity was so clear. It was undeniable. I knew who I was. There was no doubt. I was not the character Regina, right? But then I would still get up and walk away, you know, when my daughter came home and, and, and I would forget to some degree. I would not say forget fully anymore at that point, but I would forget to some degree. You could say the doubt crept back in. The I don't know who I am crept back in. The I won't awaken in this lifetime. I'm not awake yet. I don't know myself fully. There must be more to know than what I'm realizing. You, you guys know all these sentences, right? It crept back in. So that's really what this quote is saying. It's saying, I do know the difference between what I am and what I am not, right? When all thinking is released and the heart shines, and you know, when I'm sitting here in five to seven hours of contemplation, I know fully who I am without a shadow of a doubt. But then when thinking acts as me, it contains an element of doubt or uncertainty. The doubts return with the thinking. And so here I'm kind of telling myself, uh, to start taking a bite out of the doubt by taking a bite out of the thinking, by not acting based on the thinking, acting based on the heart. This is what I'm telling myself. Start, you know, if you keep acting based on the thinking, you're going to keep reconfirming the thinking which automatically reconfirms the doubt because the doubt is built into the thinking. You see that? So it isn't, it isn't just sentences like, I don't think I'll, I'll awaken in this lifetime that I have to watch. I really want to pay attention as much as possible. When am I acting from the thinking without checking with the heart first? learning to check with the heart first and learning to act based on the heart. Because every time I act based on the thinking, I'm reconfirming the doubt because it's built into the thinking. I mean, think about it. <laughs> think about it. Um, if I go on and on telling you, you know, oh, here's what I think about the government. And I think this, and I think that, and I don't think they should this. And I, 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 who is that I? Isn't that I the person? And, or the conditioning at least? And doesn't that I have built into it? I don't know myself. Do you see? So this is what this, this, that's, this is what this is saying. That I has built into itself the doubt. So I really need to start paying attention to, am I coming from this I, I, I up here? Or am I coming from this I in the heart, this I down here? I call this discernment. And I want to make sure I'm coming from this eye in the heart. Because whenever I come from this eye in the mind, I'm reinforcing the doubt. That's helping to keep the subconscious doubt alive. I talked about making it fatter. It's making it fatter. 
But every time I pause, check which eye I'm listening to, head eye or heart eye are the symbols I'm using, and I go with the heart eye, then I'm allowing it to get thinner or smaller again. So again, uh, quote number 52, the self shines, I'm reading from the seven steps to awakening, the self shines through its very nature as a beautiful radiance within the heart, as all thought subsides, realizing that the power of thought could never truly grasp it, you should abandon all such conceptualization. And so as I contemplated that, I wrote, I know the difference between what I am and what I am not. When all thinking is released and the heart shines as self or as true self, I am fully known and recognized without a shadow of doubt. When thinking acts as me, even if it is believed, which means even if I believe the thinking, there's doubt in it. Believing the thinking doesn't eliminate the doubt is what that sentence means. You may think you're confident in what you're saying, right? You may think, I know that I know what the government should have done in this case, right? You may think you're confident in what you're saying, but the doubt is even built into when you're confident because the doubt is not about the government. The doubt is, who am I? You see? That's what this sentence means. So when thinking acts as me, even if it is believed, or you could say, even if I'm confident in what I'm saying, even if I think there's no doubt in what I'm saying, right? When thinking acts as me, even if it is believed, it contains an element of doubt or uncertainty. Do not act based on the thoughts or emotions of an imposter self. The imposter self itself is the primal doubt, you see? Do not act based on the thoughts or emotions of an imposter self. Wait patiently for the inner confirmation of I, true I, heart I, and be that. So are there any comments on that particular quote before we move on? All right, then the, uh, the next quote that I have is number 55. Uh, number 55 is Sri Anamalai Swami, also a devotee of Ramana Maharshi. And here's what um, he said. Don't be interested in the words that the mind is serving up for you. It is putting them there to tempt you into a stream of thoughts that will take you away from the true self. You have to ignore them all and focus on the light that is shining within you. It's not much different than the discussion we just had, is it? <laughs> Again, Sri Anamalai Swami says, don't be interested in the words that the mind is serving up for you. It is putting them there to tempt you into a stream of thoughts that will take you away from the self. You have to ignore them all and focus 
on the light that is shining within you. Oh, so I remember. It's funny how some of this stuff I wrote so long ago, but it was so impactful for me that when I read it, it it's so, I, I mean, like I can read the first few words here and I totally remember this. Like I remember every bit of this because that's how important it was to me in my practice, right? So here's what I wrote when I was contemplating number 55. The first few words of any new mind stream need to be seen as temptation to believe illusion. The first few words of any new mind stream need to be seen as temptation to believe illusion. To become interested in the first few words is to get caught in a current of illusion from which it may be quite difficult to become free. Just as you would not wander into a strong water current, hoping not to be swept away, do not wander into even the first few words of a thought stream. Stand firmly on the solid bank of the heart, the solid bank of constant truth. And I mentioned to y'all that Shauna went out today with the weed eater and there were some weeds in front of the, the river here that, you know, I don't know, were pretty tall. And as a result, like from our porch, you couldn't really see the river. You could hear it, but you couldn't really see it. And Shauna went out this morning and, and, and took them down. And so now you can see them. And, and like I said, we walked out on the porch at lunchtime and mom and I, and, and there was the river for the first time, you know, we could see it and it is rushing by. I mean, it's really rushing by. We've had a lot of rain lately. It's full and it's just going by. Uh, Shauna and George, you guys know what the river looks like. Let me ask you this question. Would you go out there and wade into the river right now? Because what would happen? Tell me what would happen. Unmike un yourself and tell me what would happen. Uh, it'd probably sweep me off my feet. Yeah. Same thing, Shauna? Yep. Get swept away. Yeah, you get swept away. I mean, you, you, you would just you would lose yourself and you'd be going down the river hitting rocks. And, you know, <laughs> so that's the symbol that this is using. This is saying just like you wouldn't wade into that river right now because it's rushing and it would probably knock you over and you're going to hit a bunch of rocks. and You're going to lose control. You want to see the first few words of a new. And this really is referring to story like thought stream. In that same way, you don't want to wade into it. If you wade into it, you're likely going to get knocked off your feet and you're going to be swept away. It's a wonderful symbol, isn't it? So what you want to look for is when the mind starts kicking up a story. And you want to start seeing that as a rushing river. And you want to realize that if you step into that story with interest and belief, you're going to get swept away. Uh, Buddha talked about being swept away by the present. I'm sorry, being swept away by the past, which, of course, means you're entering into thoughts about the past and getting all caught up in that. He talked about being swept away by the future which means you're entering into thoughts about the future and getting all swept up about that. But then he also talked about being swept away in the present. And I remember when I first read that, how do you get swept away in the present? Same answer. You're just thinking. You're just it's thinking rather than being. 
you're thinking about, oh, I don't really like doing this. I wish I, I wish I didn't have to weed whack these weeds. I don't know why, you know, right? You're being swept away in the present. You're in the same thought stream, right? So, so, and he, at least the English translation that I saw used that same term, swept away. So that's the simple message here. Let me ask you this, Sean, I'll let you answer since George answered last time. When do you think it would be easiest to get out of the river? When you step in with one foot and realize it's, you know, with, and realize it's too strong or after you've waded in up to your thighs? Definitely with the first step would be easier. Yeah, that's what this is saying too. It's easier as soon as you notice it kicking in to get out. Then if you let yourself be swept away by these thoughts for 30 minutes, 30, 30 days, 30 years, it, you know, however long, it's just harder and harder and harder to step away from it because you're swept in. It's got you. It's controlling you, or at least it seems that way. So the, the easiest way to get out of that thought stream is when you just start to step in. It's much easier to get out then. So again, Sri Anamalai Swami says, don't be interested in the words that the mind is serving up for you. Can you hear that? Don't be interested in the words that the mind is serving up for you. It is putting them there to tempt you into a stream of thoughts that will take you away from the true self. You have to ignore them all and focus on the light that is shining within you. And my guess is, and this is a guess, so write it down as a guess. My guess is he's primarily referring to meditation here, right? We know this experience in meditation. You're sitting here with your eyes closed and the thoughts come. <laughs> he's saying, you, know, you got to see those as a temptation. Don't let your attention go into those thoughts. Put your attention back on awareness. But my experience is this is a good habit all of the time. It's not something you want to practice in meditation and not practice in conversation, for example. It's something you want to practice to the best of your ability all of the time, right? Not getting swept away by thoughts. So again, don't be interested in the words that the mind is serving up for you. It is putting them there to tempt you into a stream of thoughts that will take you away from the self. You have to ignore them all and focus on the light that is shining within you. And uh, Regina wrote, the first few words of any new mind stream need to be seen as temptation to believe illusion. To become interested in the first few words is to get caught in a current of illusion from which it may be quite difficult to become free. Just as you would not wander into a strong water current, hoping not to be swept away, do not wander into even the first few words of a thought stream. Stand firmly on the solid bank of the heart 
the solid bank of constant truth. So we're back to, you know, kind of checking between the head, the heart, determining which one is representative of your truth and doing your best to give your attention to there, act from there, speak from there, do your best to stay out of the stream of thought. So, Lena. Uh, maybe it's not important, but for some case, I'm wondering, it's written, it is putting them there to tempt you. Putting there by whom? Oh, I, yeah, I wouldn't worry about that. Yes, um, yes, I thought yeah. about that. Yeah, just can, for the beauty. Yeah, that's, that's actually a good thought stream just to avoid. I would um, I would see just that as a as a wonderful symbol. Yes, like like for the beauty. Thank yeah, you. This is, Thank you. Yeah, that's exactly, that's the safest way to look at it. And, and of course, I can it. look and Google what's the difference between contemplation and meditation, but I really want to know from you, what's the difference well, between contemplation, yeah. meditation, and thinking? Well, and that's a, that's a great question. First of all, I'll tell you that if you were to Google it, um, depending on how deeply you went into your research, you would find that, that people come t- sometimes switch the words. It yes. kind of depends on your tradition. So what I tell you contemplation is, which I will in a moment, what I tell you meditation is, someone else might may, may use the words exactly the opposite. So that's the funny thing about words. But I can tell you what Regina Dawn Acres means by exactly. contemplation it's and meditation. Exactly so, when you're yeah, so when you're listening to me, you know. Um, for me, um, when I'm contemplating, when I contemplate these quotes, for example, uh, I'm going to pick a, a real, real short one. There's one here, number 66. I'm just going to pick it. It says, it is the earnestness that liberates and not the theory. So then what I do is I just kind of pause. I just sit there and I just be with that for a moment. Just kind of rest in the silence after having read the words. And then I open my eyes and I read it again. It is the earnestness that liberates and not the theory. And I wait to see what rises up in me as I contemplate. I don't think. So here's what contemplation is not. Are you ready? I'm going to demonstrate what it is not. Contemplation is not, hmm, I wonder what that means. I wonder what, I wonder what he meant by that. Let me think, you know, what, what, you know, it's not, it's not thinking, it's waiting. You just read and be read and be. But my experience is as I read and be, something starts rising up. So it's not thinking, it's not head. Notice when I say something starts rising up, I'm pointing at my heart, right? Something starts rising up. So let me just do it live here. And then we'll go see what I actually wrote back in 2012 for 66. Got four minutes. We'll do a a short contemplation. It is the earnestness that liberates not the theory. It is the earnestness. So what I find is arising in me right now is there's a big attraction to the word earnestness. And what I'm feeling around that word is um, sincerity. And what I'm feeling around the word sincerity is that I know I'm sincere. I know my sincerity. So what my pen might write might be something like this. I'll read the quote again. It is the earnestness that liberates and not the theory. 
I might write something like, it's comforting to know that sincerity is all that's needed. I trust my sincerity. I will follow my sincerity. I will keep attention with my sincerity. Sincerity is not in the mind. Sincerity is in the heart. I feel that. So I'll keep attention with the heart. Sincerity liberates. The heart liberates. Attention on the heart is the way. That's an example of contemplation, right? Um, and we'll just look real quick. I may have to answer your meditation question next week. So that'll be our cliffhanger. <laughs> you always have to have a cliffhanger at the end of a program, right? But let's look and see what I wrote in 2012 as I contemplated that. Ah, here's what I wrote in 2012. Because, of course, I was in a different place in 2012, right? But look at this. Lack of earnestness has been my weakness. Therefore, I will to be more earnest. Do not let my present experience of happiness delay me from absolute earnestness. So just briefly, I'll tell you what was going on with me. This was um, after I had completed that purification process that I went through, completed that process around, um, we'll say around 2009, late 2008, early 2009. Um, and after completing the purification process, there was this happiness, this peace that hadn't been there before because all that all those false beliefs were not there, right? But I found myself getting caught up in, um, in other things. I had lots of guests coming to my house. It just seems like, although I was happy, it seems like I wasn't as dedicated to my spiritual path as I had been during the purification process. Like during the purification process, when I was trying to let go of the suffering, I was much more earnest, when the happiness set in, I felt like I had become less earnest. And in fact, remember, this was probably January of 2012, which is when I was guided into, you could say, a year of earnestness, right? So I'm beginning to shift now. But when I contemplated this, I'm just speaking the truth. Like I know in these last few years when it's been easier, I haven't been focusing on my spiritual path in the same way that I was when it was harder. Right. And so I'm saying, don't let happiness become my next distraction. You know, I want to I want to focus on the spiritual path, even if I am at peace. Because I want to go all the way. So so notice it's the same quote, but the way that I looked at it was different from one year to another year. That's important, too, because when you contemplate, I got to hurry up <laughs> when you contemplate, you're looking for what you need now. You're not looking for the right answer about what this guy meant when he said that. You're looking for what you need now to move you further along the spiritual path. And I have to go because Sina is probably hungry or something. It's her break. So I'm going to stop and then I'll make a note that next week we'll answer the question, uh, what is meditation, and then continue. Okay? Bye.